welcome. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is the CG Pro podcast. And uh, feel please subscribe to our YouTube channel and check us out uh, in, our, in our Facebook group, Become CG Pro. Um, it gives me great pleasure today to welcome Tupac Martir. Uh, he's a good friend of ours and collaborator. And Tupac's an, an amazing history in the world of computer graphics, filmmaking, fashion, all kinds of different things. Um, he has a, an amazing, amazing resume and work history, um, having worked with some of the, the world's top directors and some music artists like Uncle and uh, Danny Boyle, just to mention a, a few names. But uh, the, the list is so long that I, I will now say hi and welcome Tupac. Thanks very much for joining us and feel free to add any any extra flavor there. Uh, hello, hello. No, lovely to see you. Um, no, it's um, the, the other day, this is going to sound really bad when I start this, but um, the other day I got given a, a fellowship and um, they, they kind of did a, a rap of my entire CV and I was listening to it like, well, that's a really cool dude. And I was like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was weird. Um, I, I think it's. I, I say this in the best way is you never think that you've done enough. I think you always think that you know you, you you're you're just starting and, and, and building and all that kind of thing. And so you know, it's true. It well, is. it's motivating in one way to always be striving for more. But uh, but you have done a lot of really really cool stuff. And you're you're founder of Satori Studios, which I know is does lots of different things around the world, multiple sites and studios. And um, yeah, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of a bit about your, your journey so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's very well documented at this point that I, um, I, I started coding at the age of six um, on a notebook because we were financially challenged. And so I only got um, use of a computer one hour, one hour a week. Um, and so I, I, I cleaned my code by writing code um, with pencil and paper. Um, wow. I wrote my I wrote my first game at the age of eight. Um, I I went to art school in Omaha, Nebraska, which everyone's always surprised what the hell I was doing in Nebraska. But I actually went to a really lovely school with a, with a great professor called John Thien, who who I owe my life to because um, I always say he made me an artist. Um, but since then, I, I was always very uh, uh, adamant that technology had to be part of my artwork. And then, you know, I, I, I went back to Mexico and I worked at the Opera House and um, I started doing events. And then I became art director of MTV. Uh, then I started lighting bands, uh, doing video, and then little by little kind of created this thing called Satori, um, moved to London. Um, started working with um, a lot of fashion people, a lot of music people. Um, and then in 2012, we did our first show called Nierka, which is <clears throat> officially the first show in history to use tracking. Um, and so we were using uh, trackers on top of the screens and, and how they were moving and the video was locked to the screens and all that kind of thing. Um, and then eventually we kind of ended up uh, moving that around and, and, and founding Satori as, as a proper company. Uh, and that led to other collaborations and you know, working with a lot of fun people. Uh, and then in 2017, we did a thing called Hiku, uh, which had 
real-time um, uh, rendering of our motion capture throughout a space, um, while at the same time taking uh, social media feeds and making walls out of the um, out of the social media feeds, um, <clears throat> which got us into not exactly a lot of trouble, but some trouble um, because <laughs> of some of the some of the laws that technically we didn't break, but yeah, we broke them. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that led to, you know, I started writing this piece called Cosmos Within Us in 2017, premiered in 2019, uh, it's won us a bunch of awards and it got nominated for a PGA for innovation in 2019. We were the only um, independent studio to be nominated. Um, we lost to Beta Immortal, which is not bad. Um, apparently the voting was very close you know, you'll never know the, the reality of it. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and a lot of, I guess, a lot of my work has now gone into uh, multi-engine, multi-reality, uh, a lot of immersive stuff, and, and obviously a lot of um, architectural and media design and, um, and how I can incorporate what, you know, the three pillars of the studio, so live entertainment, uh, architectural lighting, and media facades, and, and immersive technologies and how the R&D that we do in Immersive can actually translate to, to the rest of the pillars. So it's, uh, it's quite a journey, if you, if you put it that way, really quickly. Um, it's <laughs> been a lot of fun, uh, very difficult, as you can imagine. Um, uh, as I tell people, um, every time I meet a new set of lawyers or a new, um, a new set of accountants, I always remind them when they think who will be the dumbass that, did this, that made that decision, I have to remind them that it was me and that I went to art school. <laughs> <laughs> That's and a good thing a to pin it on. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I, I went to art school and I have a master's in theater design. Just, just, just put it out there. You know, I, I, I never, I never had an economics class. I never took a law class. And, you know, I, I went to art school and as, as, as anybody that went to art school, we were told that, you know, chances of us, A, um, making any money are quite slim. Um, and, and, and the idea of having a full studio with, with, with 24 people is just ridiculous. You know, um, in my wildest dreams that I ever imagined having a, a team this big and having offices in four cities, you know, have offices in four cities in three countries. How weird is that? Well, I think it's testament to the, your hard work and commitment to, to pushing boundaries and, and being on that bleeding edge which is like you say it's an un un uncomfortable place to be sometimes a lot of the time but but it's it's got you where you where you are um and it, it's really interesting to hear about on on your journey you talking about some of those moments that encouraged you i think that's really big um and, and something that people might be interested in what um you mentioned that the teacher that really changed your life um what is there in any way that you can kind of sum up what mm. what it was about that that really inspired you or kind of so john so when i when i get to school um <clears throat> this is 1995 um i arrived to creighton and i had already been using my camera uh for five for three years and so i was able to take pictures of with my camera without actually looking through the viewport you know i was able to kind of knowing i knew my lenses and i knew how my camera behaved and so when i arrived um fighter door door uh, allowed me to jump to Photography 301 as a freshman, which is, you know, as, as, as anyone in the States knows, that's the big jump for, for, for a freshman to be allowed in his first semester in school to take a, a 301 class. 
Um, originally, I was studying psychology. So hence why I didn't have to do any of the original courses for, for art. But then after two semesters of studying psychology, I realized that that's not what I want to study. And I changed my full major to, to, a, BF, to a Bachelor of Arts at that point. Um, and as part of my course, I needed to do, uh, you know, basic art and, you know, the elementals and um, I needed to take a drawing class and I needed to take a painting class. But my, my first thing was taking a life drawing class. And that's where I met John. Um, and the, I can never thank him enough because this man saw something in me and pushed me to, to my limit. Now, I wasn't the best drawer by any means necessary. Um, and he allowed me to find my stroke. He allowed me to find the way that I could felt comfortable drawing. And then once I found what the, the way that I needed to hold the pencil and the way that my stroke work, and, and it, you know, I will never forget the, the day that I grabbed the pencil and the way that I do, and then in the stroke that I do, and all of a sudden the shape just came. And all of a sudden the proportions were correct. And I didn't have to think about the proportion. Everything just kind of made sense. Uh, but it was literally five weeks of John just giving me that freedom to, to get there. And then from there, you know, I used to draw at John's class every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, eventually I started taking a painting class, uh, took an etching class, but I took my life drawing classes throughout. Um, I had a completely different professor to be my tutor, um, Father Flecky, and then I went to a Jesuit school. Um, and then eventually um, John took over as my, as my main mentor, as my main tutor. And, and he was, you know, he was like having a dad at school. Mm. And, and just someone that was really going and you need to listen to this, you need to watch this, and you need to see this, you need to study that, you need to go to the library and you need to, you know, and, and, and pointing me in directions of, of my heritage, you know, which is very difficult if you think about it, to, for somebody to understand where, where do you come from? What are your roots? What are the things that have influenced you without you knowing? Where does your DNA come from? You know, I, 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 I've always been very frank that I'm an indigenous man. My dad's indigenous, you know, his entire family is indigenous. Um, and so I am very proud of being indigenous. And I'll never forget um, every, when I, when I made it to my senior year, I used to have uh, a critique every two weeks of my work. And uh, one day uh, I had my three professors and we will always invite a fourth professor um, from different parts of the school or, 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 or the arts department. And, uh, and we brought the Dean of, uh, of the School of Arts to, to come and critique my work. And, and as we were going through it, he turned around and said, how is it that you put in your place pink and light blues and bright yellows in places that they should not work and yet it works for you? And, um, and John turned around and said, it's called genetics. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And it's true. If you if you if you watch, uh, if you see a lot of the the Wichola that exists, is they use those colors in very interesting places that technically shouldn't work, but they do. And so, you know, it's not something that I studied. It's something that just came naturally to me. And 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 John kind of propagated that over and over again, and and kept on pushing me to 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 find that. You know, I always say that he he made me an artist. He didn't make me a painter. You know, I go to bed every night as a painter. You know, in my in my in my bone, in my in my soul, in my heart, I am a painter. You know, that's that's how I understand the world. Now, I haven't touched a brush in probably twelve years. 
Um, but at heart, I'm still a painter. And, and, but John made me an artist. He made me understand how I could translate my photographical work into my etching, my etching work into my ceramic, my ceramic work into my painting, you know? And, and so all this kind of multidisciplinary elements that I did with traditional art, you know, when I finally moved into the next transition, which was moving into lighting and video and, and, and what I call ephemeral realities, um, has all this background of knowledge of how color and shape and movement has actually been established and how I pushed that forward. So, yeah, so I, I owe a lot to, to John. Um, I, can, I can tell, I can feel it coming through you. It's, it's amazing. And it's something which I, I tell students often is <clears throat> try and find a, a great mentor or someone, someone that's going to give, give you that, someone that's going to support you in those moments where you need the support, but also someone who's going to, and it sounds like he did a great job with this, if, of nurturing and supporting, but also challenging you at the same time and pushing you enough, but not so much uh, that you would like break, but. Then enough. I would run away. No, no, it, yeah. enough to, I'll never forget. I, I, um, I did, I had a, a revision very early in January, 2000. So, you know, my show was meant to happen in April and, um, and I had an early revision from Christmas. And, uh, and I got my butt whooped. I mean, they toured me a brand new one. You know, <laughs> it was not, I can tell you, it was not a comfortable place to be in my studio that day because I literally got destroyed by my professors, you know, all three of them. And the fourth, the person that we invited, they, they toured me a new one. Um, to the point that they almost threatened to pull out my show, you know, like that's wow. how bad it was. And... And I'll never forget that it finished and, and, and John came to me. And uh, obviously at that point, I'm not an athlete anymore. So I'm, I'm outside of NCAA rules because <laughs> we must, you have to remember, I went to school because I had athletic scholarship. Um, right. And uh, he turned around, he came to me and he said, listen, um, it's 12.45, um, get out of the studio. Don't come back. Because I used to, the way I used to do is I, I, will, I will work Friday all the way up to 8 p.m. Um, and then Saturdays, I will work from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then Sundays, I will come back at 6 p.m. to prepare the paintings or the paint for the following day. You know, that, that was just like my natural flow of, of how I was working. And um, <laughs> he gave me $25. And he said, um, lock up. Don't come back this weekend you know, come back on Monday fresh. Here's $25. Now go to the J, which was the bar just around the corner. And he said, and go get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was $1 bill, so it was going to be, you know, I, I, could, I could definitely pay for, 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 for a big night out that night. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it, it was just that understanding of, of, of you've just gotten your ass handed out to you. You know, mm. you, you, they're, they're, we've just questioned whether or not you're meant to be an artist right um, yeah taking you right back down to the core just to, to be core, able to yeah. build you back up again but like sometimes that's that's necessary and, it doesn't it's not comfortable but yeah it's not comfortable and and, and you know I, I i love them because um he he's he actually well he still has a son dylan who was my age um and and he was studying science or something like that but 
he will always invite me over for dinner, you know, and Dylan will be there. And, and he treated me as one of his sons, you know, and we'll go for coffee. And, and it was just this really lovely um, relationship of it. And, you know, I guess in a way, uh, I was lucky enough to, 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 to be named um, the best artist to come out of Creighton in the last 50 years. Um, and so they gave me my own exhibition um, during the, 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 the anniversary of the, um, of the uh, arts department in, at Creighton. And, and I created this new piece called, called Unique. And you know, it was the first time that I was able to, to actually thank John for, for what he had done, because he literally gave me a career, you know, built me as, as, as someone and, and, and gave me a company and gave me all these opportunities that now I'm getting, you know, but they all come because of him. I, I would never put in on somebody else. So, yeah. And a lot of the teachings that he gave me and a lot of the beatings that he gave me um, have, have come, but I, I I'll never forget this. I had a, I was doing this piece um, of digital art and we're talking digital art in 1999, 19, you know, 2000s. So you yep. can imagine what digital art was at, at the time. And so because of my background in photography, I, I ended up taking, I, I created this entire technique of taking pictures, developing um, the film, and then uh, printing certain things, then grabbing the film. And I, I used to have a jeweler's, a jeweler's um, uh, eye, and I will paint on top of it. And then I will print that, and then I will take that. And I created all these different scanning techniques and then I will grab the scan technique and finish it. And then I will photograph that scan. And then I will bring back the film. And then I will work around that film and then print it again and then work on top of it and then print it again. And there was like this cycle and eventually put it into the scanner and scanner with a different technique and then eventually create something. Um, and I did that for uh, nine months. I just had this massive R&D kind of element of seeing where I could push it. And eventually I settled on these two pieces, um, which were my hands. So in, in early 2000, probably February 2000, I went and sat down and I scanned my hands. Now you have to remember scanners back in the day, you know, early 2000s are not great scanners. Um, so I, I scanned my hands at 300 DPI. And basically I, you know those contests where you're supposed to put your hand on the car and whoever keeps the hand on the car until the end wins the car? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Imagine that with a scanner. Um, and in order to get my scan properly, every single one of my scans lasted two and a half hours. Wow. So you, you had like, to keep your hand on the scanner for two and a half hours. Without it's moving it. still. Without moving it. I ended up with this beautiful, beautiful scans of my hands, which means that you know, if I ever commit a robbery, it's very easy to figure out if it was me um, because my <laughs> hands are like properly scanned. And, um, and then I, I went and I took this, this, this pictures and I ended up creating this overlay type of thing. With, you know, so I scanned my hand, I printed it, I took a picture, I painted it, I took a picture, I did this, I scanned it, and I, you know, all these processes that I was doing and eventually introduced these this images into it. And I printed them as two and a half meters by two and a half meters. So big. quite quite big. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I didn't tell anybody that I was doing this. Um, my professor kind of knew that I was doing something, but they, you know, my, my, my traditional art people didn't know. Um, and then once I had them done, I went to print. And I spent time with the printers trying to get them 
in the right position, in the right color, in the right everything. So eventually I got the hands back and I brought them to my studio and I put them in my studio to look at them. And I, I remember I, was, I saw them and I was like, oh my God, these are amazing. And so I went to get John and I was like, John, come, 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 come. And he was like, Tupac, I'm in class. I was like, come on, John, let's go, let's go. Tupac, I'm in class. I was like, okay. 30 minutes later, I was like, John, 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 come. He's like, okay, everybody break. And so he comes with me, walks into my studio. My studio used to be a corridor um, and then my walls. And he walks into the studio, turns around, sees a painting of mine over there. He goes, oh yeah, that's really nice. I was like, no, no, I don't want you to see that. That's still in progress. He goes, what do you want to see? He's like, turn around. He turns around and says, there's two massive hands hanging in my, in my studio. Just looked at them. Fuck you. And walked away. <laughs> and I was like, does that mean you like them? He was like, fuck you. And it's like, okay, so you like them, huh? Fuck you. And like, great. <laughs> So, wow. yeah, so, it, you know, but I, but I, in reality, I think that's what, you know, when people, I get asked sometimes, you know, what, what makes it so different, the, the things that we do. And I think the beauty about it is because I, I grew up the way that I grew up and I grew up with the culture that I grew up. Um, I, I'm a massive, believe it or not, I'm a massive believer of analog, you know, and I'm, I'm a massive believer of like, I don't, I don't put a single thing in a machine until I've drawn it properly or I've written about it properly. So everything is always pen, pencil to paper. And once I worked it out in there, then I'm allowed to go and figure out how we're gonna do it on the machine, you know? And, and that process is something that I, 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 I've put into my guys that let's figure it out, everything on paper first and then move forward. And, and that's, I'm not sure many people do that. Um, and, and, and that element of humanity, that element of, of, of it looks a little bit shit, you know, it's, it's okay because it makes it more human. It means that there is a, a, a person behind it and it hasn't just been a computer or a software that's created something. There's, there's an element that is scratching all the time around it um, that, that allows it, yeah, the to... beauty The beauty comes out in the imperfections of, of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that sense, it's, it's, it's something that I, I always, I always enjoy. And I, I love spending time, you know, how can I make this a little bit more human? How can I make this, how can I find a way of bringing something analog into my digital? And if I'm working on something very analog is how can I bring something very digital to my analog, you know, but yeah. that is subtle. It's not in your face. It's, it's, it just exists. And, and it's almost that if, if it, that integration of digital and analog didn't exist, it, it will feel like the piece is incomplete. So on the on the digital side of things, it's clear where a lot of your inspiration came from, through on the art side, but from the digital and technology side, the fact you started programming when you were six, what was there something that kind of spoke to you from that angle? Because it's quite rare, usually people are towards one end of the spectrum or the other, it's quite rare to be strong in both but usually it's because both fascinate you, which they obviously do with you. And you've met, you've found a way to create a life that's fused both together. But was there, was there some Genesis there for the, um, from the coding side? Was there an, um, a mentor uh, or an inspiration? No, 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 it was, it, I think it was more the, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a geek, right? Um, I've been a geek since I was a kid. I, I was very much a loner since I was a little kid. I, I mean, if you, if you think about the kid that used to get beat up, 
um, every single day at school, that was me. Um, and so I didn't have many friends. Um, uh, my parents separated very early on my life and that kind of had a big effect on, on who, who I was. I'm a mom worked long hours, um, which means that she was never really home. Um, and so I guess in order to, to keep myself busy and <laughs> out of the way of getting beaten up, um, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of went into, in, into computers and went into, you know, they fascinated me, um, because I didn't have access to them. Um, mm. and, and obviously there was no internet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it was, it was more of, uh, you know, I found a book that spoke about code and, and I figured it was a language that I could use that I can play with. And, and, you know, very early kind of taught me that I could, I could create anything I wanted, you know, and, and when you're a kid that is getting beaten up every single day in the playground, you kind of want to beat the hell away from everybody else and create your own world. Yeah. And I just went and I just wanted to make my own worlds, you know, um, did you did you have a, a kind of a vision at that time because then computers were very very basic in terms of what they could do artistically and graphically i i began i guess maybe a slight slightly older than that but still very young experimenting with my friends computers i we couldn't afford one either so i i would go and use my friends machines as much as i could and be trying to code them or make really rudimentary graphics on them but how did I, I guess you know that that thread followed me as well, both the art and technology side. But um, was that did you have some kind of visions early on for what uh, computers may may end up being capable of, or do you just like really happy with what they could do at the time? And oh, that was I, I, I so, uh, so the, the way that this works out <laughs> is um, uh, so I had a I had a job right. Um, in, in a very Mexican way, uh, my job was to go and work at the supermarket every weekend and back groceries for people. And that's how I used to make like extra cash. Um, like I said, we were very, um, financially challenged. So that was kind of like the money that I could use to do whatever I wanted. And, um, and what I used to use my money for was to <laughs> go and buy games, you know, piracy games. Because at the end of the day, you weren't buying the original. You, were, you know, it was all copied and and all that and and i was i was 10 or 11, i was 10 10 11 years old um when my mom took me to buy some games and as i was trying to pick a game um i would say this older man obviously he was probably like 24 but for me you know being an 11 year old he was a normal man um asked the, the guys who, who used to sell the games how to pass a level and i turned around and i was like Oh no! What you need to do is this, 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 that, that, and then over there you grab this, and you grab this, and you grab this, and then you come this, and then that, that, and that's how you solve that problem. I was like, okay, great, thank you. He goes away, and you know, I'm still looking. And then another guy comes in and asks them, "Hey, do you know how to do this?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, what you do is this, 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 and that." And and the owners of the of the officially of the market store, kind of, one of them had like a light bulb moment. He was like, "Wait a second, I got this kid who keeps on playing and solves the games." So he turned around to me and to my mom and said, kid, would you like to work in here? And I was like, okay, so how am I getting paid? He's like, we'll pay your lunch every day and you can take as many games as you want every weekend. And I was like, well, I currently buy groceries, you know, every time that I have time to get money so I can buy games. So if you're going to give me games and give me money for food, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm in. And so, <laughs> right. 
I was 10 years old, you know, <laughs> what else do I need? Um, and so I, I, that's when I started to, that's when my, you know, I was, I was 10, 11. Um, I had a, a 386 <laughs> yep. um, with a super VGA monitor. And um, I had a 286. I remember, remember those times. <laughs> and then, and then within, I think within, the, within the year of working with them, they upgraded my graphics card to a 486. So I could actually play more games. Um, but when I was playing, uh, all of a sudden it was like, they would give me games and because they knew I could code, um, they were asking me to break the code so I could actually find um, the cracks. Right. And so I, and this, and this is one of those things that I never realized until I was giving a conference about this. And, and, and I mentioned that I, I did a crack for Eye of the Beholder. Um, which apparently a lot of people used. Now this is right. pre-internet times, right? So for yeah. my code to get out of Mexico City to travel it's, it's the world, <laughs> difficult path to get it into people's hands. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same as it is now for sure. But it was, you know, it was, it was, it was good code. Um, and and at that time, I saw machines more as that. I saw them as forms of entertainment. I saw them as elements that I could use for. You know, when I was when I was when I was I think up until the age of about 13, 14, I thought I was gonna I was gonna study robotics. Right. You know, that's kind of where I thought my 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 path was going. Um and then and then and then it changed. But yeah, for, for a long time, I think everyone expected me to go into computer science or robotics or something that had to deal with with weird kinds of things um in terms of code and, and elements but then yeah. then my mom my mom moved me to italy because of her job and gave me a camera and my entire world changed right wow that's amazing yeah i i, I went down the computer science path and then had to bring the art back in um so yeah it's interesting how life can kind of shape you in those moments and you don't realize how significant they are at the time but um yeah so, yeah, so I, I, go I, had ahead, no I had no idea. I was just like, oh, this, this is this art thing is kind of cool. I like taking pictures, you know. And then eventually, I, I I was able to understand that there were scanners, you know, and I can digitize all my stuff, and I can do all these things, and that kind of opened a completely different side to me. So, were you each at each of these kind of moments following your your intuition? Did you have a sense of like, okay, if you if I get a strong intuitive hit for this thing that i need to follow that and to see where that goes did you have i was, I was a moron um in the best in the west in the best possible way i was just i was That's just a much better explanation <laughs> you know i i, I mean i was I, I, didn't, I didn't like i said I, I i thought for a long time that i wanted to study psychology you know um and and i wanted to follow that path but in the end it's it, it, i i you know i fell into art in a really interesting way and you know it, it's it's not something that i ever set my path i mean i remember when i told my mom that i was switching majors from psychology to art and she started to cry mm. yeah. i'm the son of two brilliant economists and my dads are amazing my, my mom my mom unfortunately passed away but um my dad's a my, my dad's a brilliant a brilliant brilliant economist you know He's, both of them have scored very high on the genius. They're, they're both geniuses, technically, by IQ standards. Um, 
but they're very good at economics. Um, so my mom kind of brought culture to my life more as a uh, way of doing an all-around kind of thing um, right. for me rather than pushing you weren't supposed way. to focus on it exactly <laughs> but, but, but then yeah. you look at my childhood and I had like I had an entire series of books that were like Monet for kids um, Mane for kids Dali for kids Picasso for kids so I had all this artwork that was being fed into me but more in terms of trying to make me an all-around human being rather than making me an artist and so when I, when I called my mom to tell her that I was going to switch majors and I was going to become an artist, she started to cry. I'm sure she was just worried. And I was like, mom, I swear, I'm, I will make some money. My mom was like, no, I'm not worried about you making money. She's like, I just can't think that, you know, I could make a kid that actually wants to be an artist mm. because they were so, you know, academics, you know, they, they were so much into what they were doing. And so, yeah. So it was it was it was an interesting one when I when that happened. Um, my dad didn't take it very well, uh, <laughs> to be expected, um, but my mom did, and, and yeah, thanks thank to her, she 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 was always she was always the wind you know beneath my wings in that sense. She she always believed in me, and that you know I could I I I, I never I never worried about not doing right because she had so much trust. And so much believe that I would find a path. So, yeah. well, I'm sure very proud. I did. I did a lot of shit jobs. <laughs> you, you have to, I think, being a seeker. You know, you have to. I always say to to people who ask, "How did you find?" When they ask me, "How did you find what you love to do?" and I I say that it's more about finding what I didn't want to do than finding what I did want to do. <laughs> no, exactly. That process of elimination of doing all kinds of crazy stuff that doesn't make sense that you just get through it. And then you find the things that speak to you a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I always told myself I never wanted to, uh, I never wanted to have a nine to five job. Um, and I never wanted my day to be, um, the 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 kind of guy who had a, a that my days are so different every single day <laughs> you know like literally I, I don't think i have a single day that is ever the same to the next so why don't you tell me a little bit about um some of the projects that you or maybe pick a, a favorite project of yours that that relates to um <clears throat> real-time graphics or something a little further further forwards in your in your journey so, uh, so, I, so i think it's, it's it's interesting isn't it because like when you think about uh so i started working in vr in 2016 um but we started looking at vr in 2014 and and by vr i mean uh early vr and you know um and 360 video and and how that was behaving and what were the the kind of the realms that you could do and what were the the spaces that you can kind of move around it. And, and obviously through that investigation, we, we started dwelling more and more into the real-time graphics and, and what that could do. And then in 2017, we did this piece called Hiku, which, is, um, which means dancer, or um, walker, sorry, in, in, in Wichol, uh, my, my dad's language. And, um, and what we did there, I mean, I'll never forget this at the time, uh, we had this idea. Uh, so we, we shot a bunch of stuff in motion capture um, and we were rendering the motion capture in real time throughout mm -hmm. this space. 
Now the space kept on morphing depending on social media tweets and um, and Instagram posts. Now we we originally went to Twitter and said we want to grab this information from you guys, and they said, "All right, not no problem. You can do it this way. Great." Then we went to Instagram or Facebook, and we said, "Guys, we want to grab this data from you." And they said, "Oh, you can't do that." And I was like, "Which means?" Oh no, no, no! It's, it's impossible to grab that data. And it's like, okay. So this is when I say I'm not amazed that Cambridge Analytica did what it did because you know five geeks in a basement figure out a way to hack Instagram and get the data that we wanted. Um, and then when we were doing it, we brought Facebook to see what we were doing, and their reaction was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" And I was like, "Dude, I'm hacking your data." <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, but it looks amazing." And I was like, "All right, forget it." So yeah, hence Cambridge Analytica. I can understand completely how that happened. Um, but that, you know, the, the idea that we were rendering all these things in real time in a 100 meter by 42 meter projection across Mexico City. And we were allowing for all these messages to fly through and to create walls and for, you know, for our motion capture to move through all these spaces, you know. And we were tinkering with, you know, we had a, a little bit of a code that was tinkering with the lighting levels and things that were happening so that every time we did a pass, it was never the same as before. Um, and so all that, all those kinds of elements started uh, driving this idea of what else can I do with, with, with real-time graphics, you know? And, and, and in this case, is, I started using um, Unreal 3 in 2013. Um, and I started using Notch in 2015, 16. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're my main two uh, uh, real-time graphics um, right. engines that I use. Um, and so as, as we were kind of uh, evolving into, into this, we, we started up to Ash Nehru at, uh, at the time at Disguise about you know, what we could do with it. And, 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 this, you know, and obviously my knowledge of, of tracking from Mierka and, and black tracks and everything that we could do with that and you know, how that had evolved into beacons and, 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 and trackers and all these other things. And you know, all of a sudden you could buy a tracker for $99 and you know, in your lighthouses, and you can actually move other things, and you can do so sorts of other things. Is where where does this take us? And um, I remember seeing some very very early, I mean very early, uh, virtual production um, things in two thousand and eighteen, and and starting to work with with multi engine of grabbing Unity on Real and Notch and making them work at the same time. And I thought this is this is what we're heading next. This is this is what we need to do. My my keynote at ISC in 2019 has a bunch of stuff in in VP. You know, all these AR layers and things that are coming out of the screen and things that are coming, you know, and the movements of the camera and all those kinds of things. The track, I mean, there's there's an entire terminator. If you ever watch it, if you ever find a, a, a copy of it, there's a terminator that is following me. Um, four seconds behind. So where I am, as I'm moving, there's a Terminator following me the whole time trying to shoot at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> we thought it would fit, you know, it, it, we all thought it would be really funny to have some, some elements like that. And so that kind of exploration, that very early exploration um, of, of, of what we were doing with real-time graphics, what we're doing with tracking, how we can get it all incorporated, how, how things could talk to each other, you know, what other things do we need to write and code ourselves that actually allow us to, to match them and, and, and make the movement? Um, I remember we got our screens 
in 2000, early 2020, we had our LED screens in the studio. And we're probably one of the few studios in the world to have LED screens specifically for VP. Um, then pandemic hit and then, well, yeah, it's history. Um, yeah. But I remember I just, I had just about every single major studio go through our studio at that point going, well, if you have this, if you have this infrastructure ready to start testing, you know, what, what can we start doing? What can we look at? What can we do? What kind of things can we do? And, you know, and that was, that was very interesting for me. Um, and in 20, in the, in the summer of 2020, we did six weeks of um, R and D with, a, with, with MBS, um, having a 20 meter screen by four and a half meter screen. And, you know, an early uh, a V1 and CAM system. And, you know, for six weeks, all we did was R&D, trying to understand the workflows, creating this hybrid workflow that we like to work with. Um, you know, not pure um, end display, not pure disguise, but a bit of a hybrid element that we, that we like to find. And, and, and we've been developing that um, ever since in terms of what we think we should be doing. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a long run, but, but, but I think the, the fact that we've gone through so much VR content and understanding how VR content works and optimizing VR content and optimizing you know, 360 video and understanding how that works best and what kind of shots work better on this. And it, it's, it's a bit of a, it's like, it's like learning how to color, you know, because it gives you so many tools that most people don't jump into or don't understand from the beginning. And, and, and they kind of they land in the middle of the process. And, and because we've, we've, we've been there from, from the beginning about that creativity and the, the very early headsets that had very little resolution and how you optimize to that and how you, you, know, you made machines work with it and all that kind of thing. It's given us a really nice understanding of what's possible in, in real-time rendering and, and storytelling. Do you, do you guys do kind of straight up commercial projects like making commercials and that kind of thing? Or do you try and stay more in the, in the art and interactive and performance space? We, 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 we do do commercials um, and, and, and we work on, on various bits and pieces. Um, uh, obviously, I, I sit on the, on the artsy side. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a joke that um, once, once, the system's, that once the system is working and everything's okay, I get kicked out of the studio. <laughs> because otherwise, I keep tinkering with it because I want to yeah. make it more artsy. And there's a moment where you just go, stop the artsy. It's, we're about to shoot. Get out of town. And so yeah. I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed in set. They have like pictures of me at the beginning, at the entrance of the studio going, did not allow this man in. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all right. Well, um, the, fun, the fun part to you is working it out, figuring it out. Yeah. 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 But I, 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 you know, in, in the way that I, in the way that I work, um, and by all means, I am the biggest pain in the ass to my team, right? If, if someone, if someone asks me, what is the worst thing about your studio? I say, it's me because I, <laughs> I, I keep tinkering with things. I keep looking for things. I keep trying to better things. And that's, that's that I, I understand that I shouldn't be doing that all the time. Um, but it's, well, it's, my, a straight, it's a strong suit for sure. <clears throat> Just, but, there's but some it, moments where it's not a strong suit, but like, when, yeah, I'm, not, I'm the same in that way. I think once it's figured out, I'm a bit less interested. And I then, if I've got hundred, if I have to do something a hundred times over, it's just the same way each time. 
and I do it a different way every time, just yeah. by my my nature as well. I'm trying to figure out the best way, and I might figure out a way that automates the the next ninety. You don't have to do them anymore, or I, I, but it could end up I take much longer to do all those hundred things than somebody else. It's, yeah, and I, I mean, and that's that's sort of the reason why I stopped touring because yeah. tour became this thing where it was the same show every single day, and I can't do that. You know, I have this this idea right. that you know you look at Cosmos, and Cosmos is within within the realm of what cosmos is every show is different you know the stuff that we're doing for unique literally is called unique because we have 2.7 million ways of performing you know wow. <clears throat> so which means every single time will be a unique performance and that's before i even start tinkering with some of the elements and that's exponential um yeah you know raj tried to make a one of our guys tried to make a a, a a calculation of if if you put into perspective all the stuff that I'm doing within Unique, it's actually infinite, the amount of ways that we can perform. And I, I, I love that. I love the fact that I can never do the same show ever again. Some of them might be shit. Some of them might be good. Some of them might be brilliant, right? But it'll always be different. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Having that curiosity, finding, finding newness, finding variety, finding things that didn't exist before i guess that's the uh, the essence of creativity really yeah you um... and, and, and it's it's it is the idea of, of trying to find something different every single time <laughs> you know yeah. um i i am i am, I, I am a, a a creature of habit as, as a lot of people are you know like everyone knows that i like my restaurants and i always go to the same restaurants and i always go to the same bars and i always go to the same cafes like i i you know there's got to be some structure in my life um, yes. but I hate doing the same job every single day. Right. Well, I guess it makes sense that you've ended up in R and D and being an artist. Yeah. <laughs> that suits that personality very well. What, um, is there anything that you can talk about some of the things that you're working on at the moment and some of the research that you're, you're most interested in right now? Um, I mean, I guess it's, 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 it's no, um, it's no secret that my my big focus is in is in multi-reality and multi-engine mm. um, <clears throat> that's where that's where most of my r d is at the moment um when we did um when we did uh vow uh 18 months ago so solicitors of 2020 um you know we we created this world in unreal um touch designer and notch and then we had a an input of each one of them to the other engines so i could pull a camera from any engine into another engine and then i had uh i think i had 120 cameras on notch there were about 40 cameras on touch designer and about 35 cameras on unreal and we created a dmx protocol that would speak to all of them at the same time so that Muli could be controlling the environment based on the music and because she was playing live we had a camera and we were you know um uh, we were grabbing her directly and then dropping her within the within the pyramid that we made for her and then moody was controlling the overall look of the space in all three engines at the same time and then i was cutting cameras and feeding cameras into other engines and making sure that that was happening you know, and so 
all of a sudden I found out myself with 150 cameras, you know, more than 150 cameras and what you do with it. But I, I, I kind of found my, my, my way into how one of certain things to look and elements and bring it in. And, and, and that kind of brought me to this idea of, okay, I, I like this. I like how different engines can render different things for very specific things. And I can bring them in and I can combine them in a, in a very interesting way. Um, and then, you know, the exploration that, that we've done with Cosmos and, and now um, slowly with Unique of, of the idea of the multi-realities and how can a show, how can an experience be seen uh, without changing a single thing except the, the glass through which you're looking at. Um, you know, whether you're seeing it in AR or an MR or XR or physically or digitally or, or, or in this ephemeral way or, 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 or in VR or whatever it is, how we're not changing a single thing except for the way that you get to perceive it. And that is actually quite a big thing because then it gives you something different to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah, the, the, the newness being in the combination of things. I guess that's what uh, Einstein described creativity as, is combinatorial play and how you combine things together to create something new. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, the, the idea that you can come and see the show and see it in VR, and you see the show the next day and you see it in AR, and the next day you come in and see an MR, and but because of the, the, the uniqueness of how it shapes itself, um, it allows you to see a different show every single time and, and to get a different understanding of it. Um, I think that's a, that's a really interesting place to, to start looking at, you know, the, the, with all the, the, the craziness that's been coming out of the metaverse and all those kinds of things, which, by the way, scared the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that, um, once again, you know, it's, it's being, it's allowing different generations and different people to have a different point of entry into a show and, and allowing them to, to discover new ways um, based on that. So is there anything in particular that um, is being promised in in the near future that you're really excited about? Uh, I mean, we're we're doing Cosmos next week here in Lisbon, which is super exciting. Um, you know, we haven't performed in twenty months, so it 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 gets me. It, I'm 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 super excited, super bet, excited. Yeah. Um, but you know, hopefully, we'll be able to announce the the news about Unique. Um, in a couple months, and and that show has me. I mean, I love Cosmos, and I, it, and it's given me so much. It's given us so much, um, and I and I keep forward. You know, I look forward to performing that show for the next three to four or five years. But I know that what we're about to develop with Unique is completely different to what anyone's expecting. Amazing. Well, I look forward to seeing some news about it and uh, <laughs> and learning more about it. We're, we're in this amazing time for me in this kind of renaissance of computer graphics. I've been in, working in it for a, lo a long time um, and it's been a fantastic career. But um, this last few years, particularly where we've been woken up to, to well, I guess real-time graphics has matured to the point where you can actually use it to, to create a higher fidelity of art. Um, uh, are, you, um, are you excited to explore uh, more of 
what real time has to to offer um oh yeah i mean i i, I think that you know i, I believe in real time <laughs> i should get a t-shirt that says i believe in real time um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i truly believe in real time but i've believed in it since 2013-14 you know it i think I, I, i've been thinking that this is the way forward um there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done um in terms of workflows and capabilities and expectations you know yeah. i think that we need to we need to inform um directors clients technologists etc cetera, etc cetera, about what is it and 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 what can be expected in a period of time because just because it means real time doesn't mean it can happen in three minutes you know it, you still need to build a lot of these things up for them to exist in the way that we want them to um but at the same time i i am a big believer that um obviously pandemic expediated a lot of these things um and we're starting to plateau in a certain way. We kind of went like this, and now we're finally kind of plateauing. And, and what I'm looking forward now is the finessing of the tools. Mm. You know, uh, we, we kind of had this rush that we needed to build tools and do things in order to get to a very good place. And now I want mm -hmm. things to be finessed. You know, I, I, I want, <clears throat> I think we're, we're almost at that point where we're done with, not done, but we, the technology people can kind of sit for a little bit and let the artsy people grab it and then start pushing it to the next level. You know, um, I, I never forget, this is from my early days, from my days of touring, um, that, you know, the, the, I'll be using a desk and, and they will give me, um, they will come to the show and they will bring the coders to the show. And I was like, I don't want the coders at the show. It's like I want the coders when I'm when I'm in the when I'm in rehearsals, so they can see why I'm asking for this specific thing. You know, I don't need you to give me whatever hell the coder thought that I needed to do because in his head this is how it should be. I need I need them sitting down behind me to go see if you gave me that button, I would do seven less presses of buttons. Seven less presses of buttons is fifteen seconds, which is fine for one. But when I have to do 3,000 cues and I have to do that thing 15 seconds times 3,000, rather than you giving me a button that gives me that kind of thing, I gain three days of programming. Right. You know, and I think we're at that point where the technologists and the coders and developers have pushed the technology to a place, but now it's all about the technology. And now we need to move it so that it becomes about the artist. And then the yep. artists are going to start playing with it and the creators are going to start playing with it and experimenting with it. And as we experiment with it more and more and more, we're going to be able to inform the developers about what we need and what kind of tools we need them to design for us in order to make other things. And now we start having a conversation and now it becomes this really nice loop of talking and saying and doing and building and creating. And, and, and it's, all you're going to do is this and growing, 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 growing. But we need to be able to give this to creators, to artists, to be better. Because if, it has still, if it's still in the hands of developers, it's going to stop. Yeah, and sometimes it can even put people off the technology altogether if there's not a great um, use case or great content. I feel like VR suffered from that a little bit um in in having a tremendous amount of innovation in it but lacking a little bit in the content and experiences on it and i think 
I feel like virtual production is probably similar. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we having this idea, this thoughts that, you know, because it's so expensive to do DP, um, you know, especially on volumes and things like that, it, that you, if you, if you watch them, everyone pretty much does the same shots because there's no time for experimenting. There's no time yeah. to, to go in and play and be creative in it because, you know, because you're using a volume that is costing you 15, 20, 30, 50,000 dollars a, a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. So, so, so you have no time. It's like, come in. To, and what happens is the people that are behind you and that are helping you know exactly what works. And so they'll, they'll, they'll push you without yeah. thinking about it towards shots that they know are going to work because we've seen that work. And so you, you start looking at shots and, 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 you know, and this is why I love Greg Frazier and the stuff that he's been doing in Mandalorian, because he, he has been having the time to, to explore and, you know, and to find those really nice, interesting shots. And um, speaking of Mandalorian, by the way, um, today uh, I got a tweet from uh, sorry, uh, an Instagram from Pedro Pascal uh, inviting people to see Cosmos and it kind of literally made my day. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I didn't see it. Um, a friend of mine, uh, who's the creative director at the mill for um, for immersive technologies, uh, was eating breakfast when he saw it, and he was just like, "Dude, look at this." But anyway, um, the the, the fact that that the thanks, uh, the fact that it's 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 that um, kind of element. I think that if, if we can if we can start now bringing this to to, to the creatives, to the artists. And allowing them to explore this technology and see what they can come up with, um, we are going to see uh, almost like a, you know right now we're plateauing. It's going to be and it's going to be a revamp because we're going to see in the different ways. Do you have any advice for people? I know like one amazing thing I think is that some of this technology that's coming out is freely available. Things like Blender and Unreal being free <clears throat> now. The tools that used to cost a hundred thousand dollars per person to even be involved are now actually free. And do, now that they are free, do you have any ad advice for people wanting to do that, wanting um, to be able to push it? Experiment, you know, don't be, I, I always tell people I'm a failure. You know, I fail every single day of my life. And then every now and then I get lucky. You know? and, and, and it's kind of like going back to school where in school it was okay to fail. It was okay to experiment. And, mm -hmm. and it's all right to, just it, it's okay to, you know if you look at music everyone spends 10 years writing the first album yeah so don't be afraid of spending 10 years making your first album it's okay um it's all about making sure that you, you are putting the artwork that you want out there rather than the artwork that you're you know, that you're expected to put out there right so have have faith and be okay with taking risks and experimenting and getting it wrong and yeah, be George Michael, man. You gotta have faith. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonder, wonderful quote to <clears throat> to end the show on. Um, is there anywhere that our listeners can find out more about you and your work? Um, yeah, uh, obviously there's there's the website satorastudio.com, uh, Instagram is same thing, satorastudio, Twitter same thing, Facebook same thing, and then my personal one, uh, Tupac Martyr. Um, uh, my website nowadays. It doesn't exist. I mean, you'll see it, but it doesn't exist. Um, and we use it for something else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we're, all, we're usually posting stuff, putting stuff together. We, we decided not to ever have a newsletter um, just because I don't feel like having a newsletter. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm very easily available for people to write to me and talk to me and, 
um, explain anything that they want and you know I'll give you as big as a, a, a an advice as I can and you know we, we do have an academy as a tourist so I am currently uh, mentoring five different artists in in the process and their work um, and two of the other guys in the studio are mentoring other people and so you know it's yeah man it's all about it's all about sharing and caring amazing why well, yeah I salute you as a fellow educator and and facilitator of those things i yeah i think it's really really important to be able to share and collaborate and yeah thank you thank you so much for doing just that today with um being on this podcast i really appreciate your your time and you sharing your experience and some of your your wisdom and um and your journey i think it's really inspiring to hear about what what informed you along the way and and just what uh, what drives you now uh, it's it's really 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 cool to have you on um i look forward to seeing you again soon and, and we'll definitely share uh links for some of those things that you described with our audience. yeah thank you thank you guys um, uh, thank you also to our listeners thank you for joining us uh please subscribe and feel free to follow us on our facebook group become cg pro um look forward to welcoming you again in two weeks and yeah this was this was awesome thank you <laughs>